1: So listen to the Stephen A Smith show podcast on the
2: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook here in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the Look Ahead here on Vsin the Sports Betting Network. Always on Twitter at Scott's On Air and at VCN Live. We have done it. We've reached the Major League Baseball All Star break. Coming up through the next several days, yes, we have the Home Run Derby on Monday. We're going to get into that, the All Star game on Tuesday. But over the ne- course of the next few days here on this program, I'm going to be uh, going through the first half of the baseball season, projecting ahead. To the rest of the season, take a look division by division at how teams are performing based on their preseason win totals and how it looks for their adjusted season win totals moving forward. We'll also give out some first half awards and see how that can translate to the futures market looking at the awards for the end of the season. So that'll be coming up here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on The Look Ahead with me, Scott Seidenberg. But we wrapped up the first half here with a bunch of day games that almost played out how I thought it would. And what I mean by that is, I talked about this in the week leading up to the uh, to today, that Sunday was going to be a weird day. That maybe some teams were looking ahead, some players looking ahead to the vacation you might have some dogs that wound up winning. It just, it was just, just. I felt like we were in for an awkward Sunday in Major League Baseball. Um, Blue Jays beat the Royals four two. It was a struggle until the eighth inning when Alejandro Kirk hit a home run. So Blue Jays do take care of the Omaha Storm Chasers after dropping the first game. Of the series, they win the next three. So they do bounce back after losing that first game of the series. Again, I joke about the Omaha Storm Chasers because the Kansas City Royals were without 10 regular players that they had to replace by bringing up guys from A AA and A to fill this roster. So it's not the Kansas City Royals that were playing here against the Blue Jays. And for the Blue Jays to lose the first game, yeah, that was... Uh, that was pretty unexpected, but then they bounced back. They win the next three games of the series, so they feel good about themselves coming into the All Star break. The Nationals avoid a four game sweep at the hands of the Braves, the Juan Soto homers. The Nationals end a nine game losing streak. They beat the Braves seven to three, and they maybe, I don't want to say crush but they definitely hurt Spencer Strider's Rookie of the Year campaign. Strider got tagged for five runs on four hits in four innings against the Nationals. And we'll talk about the Nationals coming up in just a few minutes because this whole Juan Soto story is uh, absolutely very, very interesting to see where he is going to end up here uh, before the trade deadline is coming to a close at the end of the month. Well, actually, the beginning of August because of the the uh, you know the, the delayed start to the season. We're actually pushed back a little bit, so the trade deadline is not July 31st. It's actually a couple days into August. Uh, Yankees blow out the Red Sox for the second day in a row, and a little bit of uh, a bad fortune for the Red Sox. Chris Sale gets drilled with a comebacker and but baby broke his pinky as uh, he had to come out of the game. This was one where um I was like, "You know what? I kind of like Garrett Cole and Chris Sale. I'm going to go with the under in the first 5 innings between these two pitchers." And you know, Garrett Cole does his job, top of the 1st, shuts him down. Bottom of the 1st, all of a sudden Yankees put a couple runners on, they score. And then they knock Chris Sale out of the game, and that was it. Once Chris Sale left the game, it was done. Uh, it was five. It was three to two after four innings. Yankees scored eight runs in the bottom of the fourth inning. Those eight runs, um, you had Matt Carpenter with a big double. He continues to just dominate. Uh, Tim Lecastro. Gets uh, He hits a home run, he gets called up, he plays, he hits a homer. Yankees just absolutely dominate the Red Sox two games in a row here in the Bronx. Uh, so 13-2, the final score there. Yankees end on a high note. The uh, Rays beat the Orioles, was the Phillies blanking the Marlins? Aaron Nola was dominant on the mound for Philadelphia. Nola goes eight and a third innings, four hits allowed. He struck out 10 Only walked one batter. Dominant performance from Aaron Nola. Speaking of dominant performance, Dylan Cease, absolutely dominant for the White Sox as they beat the Twins 11-0. Cease goes seven shutout innings. He strikes out eight. He walks two. He only allows one hit. That one hit came in the fifth inning. So the play of the day today, if you follow on Twitter, was the – Under four and a half in the first five innings between the White Sox and the Twins. And uh, the handicap was banking on Dylan Cease to do what Dylan Cease does. And then for Chris Archer, who has been equally, not equally as good, but pretty good as well in in his recent form. I figured this was going to be a low scoring first five innings. And it was a no scoring first four innings. 0-0 going to the top of the fifth inning when Chris Archer ran out of gas. The White Sox scored four runs in the top of the fifth inning. And then in the bottom of the fifth, Dylan Cease, who is working on a no-hitter, gives up a walk and the only hit he would allow all game in the bottom of the fifth inning, but worked out of a first and second jam as the... uh, First five ended with a 4-0 score. So we end the first half with a play of the day win, and Dylan Cease continues to dominate. You know, I tweet out the stats when I sent out the play of the day, and Dylan Cease had allowed one or fewer earned runs in his last nine first five innings. So his last nine starts, all of them, one or fewer earned runs. And it's been a total of three runs scored in all nine of those starts. A total of three earned runs. So we're talking about three runs in 45 innings. Now, because of the shutout here against the Twins, we pushed that up to 10 starts and 50 innings. So let me say that again now. Dylan Cease, has allowed one or fewer earned runs in his last 10 first five-inning starts and a total of three earned runs in his last 50 innings in the first five innings of a game. Just absolutely wild. Uh, A's beat the Astros 4-3. The Cubs avoid the sweep. They beat the Mets 3-2. The Mariners a 6-2 win. Over the Rangers, Seattle has won 14 straight games. Again, the Mariners have won 14 straight games to wrap up the first half of the season. Right now, the Mariners are in possession of the second wild card in the American League. They are 51-42. and And... What's crazy is that they're still nine games back in the division, but 14 straight wins is unreal. This Mariners team, watch out, could be ending the longest postseason drought in baseball. Uh, Pirates with an 8-3 win over the Rockies. Giants beat the Brewers 9-5. Diamondbacks, a 3-1 win over the Padres. Merrill Kelly with a solid outing. Six innings of one-run ball. He struck out five. He allowed six hits. Mike Clevenger only gave up one run also in six innings. So if you like the first five under, well, this was a scoreless first five innings between Merrill Kelly and Mike Clevenger. So here's where we are standings wise at the end of the first half of the Major League Baseball season. Yankees, of course, in first place in the American League East. They have a Major League best record of 64 wins. And twenty-eight losses. The Twins lead the Central fifty and forty-four. They're two games up on the Guardians. Three games up on the White Sox. The Astros fifty-nine and thirty-two lead the West. They are nine games up on the Mariners. We talked about Seattle winning fourteen straight games. The Mets lead the East fifty-eight and thirty-five. They're two and a half games up on the Atlanta Braves. The fifty-eight and thirty-five is the best record for the Mets. Heading into the all-star break since 19 uh yeah, this is since 1986. And um, we all know what happened in 1986. If you don't, Mets won the World Series. Brewers beat, Brewers lead the uh Central just barely, a half game lead over the Cardinals. Brewers are fifty and forty-three, Cardinals are fifty and forty-four, and the Dodgers lead the West 60 and 30. Second best record in all of Major League Baseball. They are 10 games up on the Padres. Your three wild cards in the American League are the Rays, Mariners, and Blue Jays with the Red Sox two games back, Guardians two and a half. Then you have the Orioles and White Sox three and a half back. In the National League, Braves, Padres, and Phillies, as well as the Cardinals. Phillies and Cardinals are tied. Giants are a half game back. Marlins five and a half games back. That is the latest on the first half of the Major League Baseball season. Again, coming up throughout the course of this week, we'll give up some first-half awards, talk about which teams exceeded their win totals, project ahead to the second half as well. Let's talk about where we are here now and uh, what's coming up here on Monday, including the Home Run Derby. We'll get The View from Vegas coming up next with our very own Dave Tooley. With me, Scott Seidenberg. Here on the look ahead on VCN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead on VCN, the sports betting network.
0: I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to buy for your share of $62,500. In total cash prizes, head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon, made brighter. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. Uh, Real quick, uh, Matt Holiday, former Colorado Rockies star, his son was drafted the number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft. I believe it's Jackson Holiday is his name. And uh, MLB just tweeted out a photo of, it's got to be 2007 when the Rockies uh, went to the World Series because they won the National League, obviously. And uh, Matt Holiday is holding like his son. It's like this little child. And you're like that kid in that picture, which doesn't seem like it's that long ago, was just the number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair. Joining us now to give us the view from Vegas is our very own Dave Tooley. Dave, thanks so much for joining us as always. And as we hit the all-star break in the Major League Baseball season, anything about the first half really jump out to you as surprising or are we kind of on par with what we usually see in the first half of Major League Baseball seasons in terms of favorites, underdogs, things like that?
1: Yeah, the, uh, the the favorites. Uh, I had them at eight hundred and sixteen and five hundred and forty-four. That's exactly sixty percent. Um, there were a couple games uh, about a month ago where teams played a double header with a home and away double header yeah. at one site. I, I counted those as both home games for the team playing in their home stadium. So uh, yeah, might might see some slightly different numbers out there, but yeah, favorites have been at sixty percent, which yeah, makes makes it tough when uh, dogs are only hitting you know forty percent. You got to average plus one twenty five um, on dogs there to uh, break even, and so you know a lot of a lot of those you know one forty plus one fifty dogs, you hope that are live, and a lot of those haven't been coming in. So uh, that was one trend from uh, the first half of the season that I was noticing. Uh, home home field. Um, just like we've seen in most sports since the pandemic. Uh, Home field not as strong as it used to be, Uh, 52.1%. Usually um, home teams are around 54%. Hmm. So, um, I mean, uh, it doesn't seem like too much, less than 2%, but uh, (laughs) it's pretty significant over uh, the long haul there. And the unders unders are still leading, although, you know, you'll remember we were talking in late April that they were hitting a 60% um, it, you know, it's definitely flipped since then. The overs have been more dominant, but unders are still at 52% overall. But uh, again, like I said, that, that trend's pretty much leveled off.
2: Yeah, wow. So you think, so it's been, I guess, after the first month of the season, you can really say that overs have led the way because you said they were hitting Yeah, 60%. Yeah, about, yeah. Yeah, about, right, at about 53%, I believe it is, uh, overs since then it's wow, pretty wild. Um, and yeah, I mean, it makes sense because baseball, I think more so than any other sport, Dave, and I think you'd agree with this, um, the better team wins out. You know, if you have the better starting pitcher and and it makes all the difference in the world. So yeah, of course, that team's going to be favored on a given day. You're not going to see, um, you know, the, the Yankees with Garrett Cole on the hill be an underdog. So you're not going to see Jacob, right. De, like, you know, when Jacob DeGrom comes back for the Mets, they're going to be a favorite when he pitches. Max Scherzer, they're favorites when he pitches, and they're more likely to win the game when you have those starting pitching advantages. So it would make sense, I think, more so in Major League Baseball that the favorites are, are winning at over a sixty percent clip.
1: Yeah, and but I mean, over the it was up to sixty two percent for a while, so th- there was a stretch. Uh, unfortunately, a lot while I was on vacation. <laughs> mm-hmm. When the, the dogs are faring better, um, although yeah, last Wednesday favorites went twelve and four, and then s- Saturday favorites went fourteen and two. So mm. uh, yeah, fa- favorites have definitely uh, you know <laughs> show their strength uh, here coming into the All Star break. But but yeah, again, it's uh, a
2: yeah, as, as we see with most of these trends, they they will uh, you know level off over time. So uh, now we have a little bit of a break here. There's no game action, but we do have the uh, the home run derby on Monday night, the All Star game. On Tuesday night, let's talk about the Home Run Derby first. Uh, have you taken a look at this field? Do you have a selection here for the Derby winner? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm betting uh, Pete Alonzo. I'm,
1: I'm betting the chalk, believe it or not. <laughs> Although it is plus money in the eight-player eight field, uh, plus 190 at Circa. Um, I saw earlier this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, one of most books are a little, a little bit lower, 180 or so. Uh, but uh, you know, Pete Alonso, you know, two-time defending champ, and uh, I was waiting to commit on this um, because uh, his his, uh, his pitcher for the home run derby, Dave Jowls, mm-hmm. uh, former Mets uh, bench coach, uh, is you know isn't with the team anymore. So I was waiting to make sure that he was going to be the pitcher. And uh, if you remember, uh, you know, especially last year, it just seemed like Joust was putting it like on a cheese. Alonzo was just crushing them one after another. It was, it was unbelievable what a great uh, you know, team they were in that. And uh, actually, I'm, I am a little biased here because I know Dave Jelson's dad, or, or I knew him uh, back in the day. Uh, he was a sports writer for the Chicago Tribune when I was coming up. And uh, so we co- he covered a lot of college football and college basketball. So I saw him when I was at Northern Illinois. And then in my early years uh, as a you know, trying to be a professional journalist and uh, he uh, i wouldn't call him a mentor because he didn't really teach me too much except for just by example but uh, he did invite me down to a taping of the sports writers on tv mm-hmm. show in chicago in the 80s which you know again is like was a, definitely a pioneer hasn't got enough credit for you know what it has led to you know anything any Sports talk show you see on TV pretty much owes a of gratitude to them. So, uh, yeah, but you uh, invited me down there to check that out. So, uh, definitely, uh, you know, a little a little biased here. But, again, after watching how uh, J- Jousey was uh, just teeing him up for him last year, I um, like Alonzo as a chalk.
2: Yeah, you know, he's going for the three-peat. And Dave Jousey, yeah, I remember seeing, like, the uh, the pitching ninja tweet out Dave Jousey's pitches and overlay them and they were all in the exact same spot it was incredible (laughs) and he's joked and said you could put a blindfold on him and he'll hit the spot wherever you you know wherever the spot is for him to throw it to so uh pete Alonso definitely has the advantage with the pitcher i was i was curious to see if actually he would pitch to juan soto as well because he now works for the washington nationals but uh (laughs) we, we know that there is no love lost between the nationals and juan soto that's a story for another day here um I decided to go with Corey Seager as my pick at 9-1. to one. And uh, it's I won on Pete Alonso last year, so I do think he's got a great chance to do it again. But I was looking for a little bit of a longer shot with the odds, and I'm going to take a guy who uh, used to play his games at Dodger Stadium and uh, has a pretty sweet swing in Corey Seager. So maybe I can come through with that, Dave.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take a flyer on Albert Pujols. 26-1 uh, um, to 1 at Circa. And, I mean, eight-player eight field, and what, are people not betting him because he's old? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this, this is betting practice. I, I, I don't quite get how there's that big of a discrepancy where he's the, twice the odds of any other player in this field. So, I mean, I, I think that's worth a flyer. And, uh, you know, if I'm going to take a shot at that, I think you
2: know, he's also live plus 270 against Schwarber in the first round. And uh, Tuesday, we have the All-Star Game. And are you going to be on the under, as uh, it seems like that is the trend to do for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game?
1: Yeah, I can't remember what the latest stat is. But, yeah, it's been under, 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 under. And, uh, I mean, I think, I think it's under or pass. But I haven't really looked at the lineups to really think, you know, see if I can see any edge if they set the total too low.
2: Yeah, I think they might have said they said it at eight, which is just I think just really really low. Like uh, it might be one of those, but the unders twelve and three in the last fifteen All Star games. Right,
1: so. right. That's what it's hard. It's hard to fade, but but yeah, I mean if, again eight. Yeah, eight, eight's right right there. we I would almost think you got you got to just take a shot at the over. But oh yeah, it's not, it's not going to be a big bet for me regardless. But yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have action on it. <laughs>
2: Hey, it's something to do here during the break. Uh, right. Uh, one final thing: uh, Did uh, Cam Smith wins the the Open Championship? Any nuggets there about Cam Smith and his uh, comeback victory from as far down as he was?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was about twenty to one uh, pre tournament, uh, seven to one after Thursday's first round, plus one seventy five after Friday. Uh, but then after Saturday, he was fourteen to one. Wow! You could have got him at. And, uh, of course, you know, he kind of had to, uh, be willing to think that he would be able to shoot an eight under 64 like he did today. So that's pretty tough. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I saw during the day, you know, several times, you know, he was plus money, you know, against Rory in, in some head to head, uh, betting. So, yeah, pe- people that had the faith in him uh, were able to cash in.
2: So I took the wrong Cameron because, uh, Prior, when was, I, there's, <laughs>
1: like three them, there's like three of them, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: last night I took Cameron Young thinking that, you know, hey, one of these guys is going to have a chance if, if the leaders fall back. It was just the wrong Cameron. Dave, I appreciate right. the time and the insight as always. We'll talk to you soon. All right, great. Have a great week. There he is, Dave Tuli. Check him out at View from Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We'll be joined coming up next by our good friend Dwayne Colucci from the Grand Park Race and Sportsbook right here on The Look Ahead here on v Option. This is The Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I needed to make a change. I knew I needed to make a change, but I wasn't ready yet. I'm sure a lot of smokers and dippers out there can relate. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. So whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zinn will be there for you. With the right strength, the right flavor, at the right time. If you're thinking about making a change and want to learn more today, check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here. It's the look ahead on VCN, the sports betting network. Let's head out to the rampart where we welcome in our good friend, racing sports director, Dwayne Colucci. And Colucci, I took the wrong Cameron. In the Open Championship. Quick story, last (laughs) night I was looking at the odds and I wanted to take a a, a double-digit long shot that was in that next grouping of golfers outside of Rory and Victor Hovland who went into today with the lead. And I figured, you know what? Let me put a flyer in on the first-round leader, Cameron Young. And to his credit, I mean, he gave it a go with the, uh, the eagle there on 18, but... I picked the wrong Cameron, brother.
3: Yeah, Scott, I tell you, that was great handicapping, though, on your part, I have to say. I mean, the man shot a 65, and he comes up one stroke short. And you kind of thought that Smith, like, cooled off after those first uh, two rounds. You know, he shot... 67-64, 67-64, then he bounced it up to, uh, I believe it was a 73 in round three. And his odds got adjusted at the Rampart and South Point. I think he was 14-1 to one going into the final round. And uh, Cameron Smith, we, we talked about it last week when you asked me about this tournament, and uh, we actually mentioned this guy. He shot fabulous. $2.5 million now in prize money for this kid just to win this tournament. What a fabulous last round, 64. Once again, Rory, you know, kind of disappointed a lot of people backing him at the rampart in South point he shoots a 70 in the final round six strokes off of uh Smith and five strokes off of young and only lost by two so he definitely did not perform as well as he did in the first three rounds and that was definitely the uh the difference in the outcome and great uh camera in action on both Smith and young i'm uh I'm sad that you picked the wrong ones Scott yeah
2: it would have been nice a little 14 to one payout would have been <laughs> nice but uh Pick the wrong Cameron. What are you going to do? Uh, Major League Baseball has now hit the all-star break. Um, first half, how would you sum it up for you guys
3: over there? I tell you, it's been tough as bookmakers. You know, you got the same teams winning every day, Scott. You you look at the Yankees, they have 64 victories. Uh, I'm not sure of the exact number, but I know it's over 50 where they've won by more than one run. So when you're covering the run line and you're winning at this high level, it's Difficult as a bookmaker, thirty and fifteen in the East itself, thirty-seven and twelve at home. Just some amazing numbers for the Yankees, and then you combine that with the Astros, who are fifty-nine and uh, uh, thirty-two. So that's definitely a top-top record. It's been tough for us to make the adjustments. You see in streak teams. Look at the Seattle unbelievable streak right now. And when you see teams go on these long extended win streaks, guys, you know the public tends to back them because they like to ride mm-hmm. the streak. They see that the team continues to win. The Mets, they continue to win. The Dodgers. And when you're winning 8 out of 10, 9 out of 11, it becomes difficult for us. And baseball's been a tough nut the whole year. I think it's going to continue because I don't see these teams slowing up, barring injury to the Yankees pitching staff or to Aaron Judge or something like that. They're just a juggernaut right now. Houston, they still have a nine-game lead despite the Seattle uh, yeah, Big fourth.
2: Yes, Seattle winning 14 in a row, and they still have a nine-game lead. Yeah,
3: Yeah, exactly. And you're seeing these massive leads. The Mets stay away overcome. They're winning without the Grom. He's going to come back soon. you got the polar bear hitting at a good level. They're getting some solid all-around play and good management. Uh, the Mets have definitely turned it around and have been able to stay ahead of Atlanta, who's been somewhat like a heartbeat, up and down, two and a half games behind. But they're solid as well, and uh, the Dodgers, you can't speak enough. 10-game lead, just an amazing lineup. Mookie Betts is a beast, and uh, you know they're going to be tough down the stretch. I know that the Padres will get help the Tatis may come back, but 10 games, I mean, it's going to be tough to make up these big leads that these teams have, Scott.
2: I agree. You know, I think we're pretty much set on what we're going to see out of most of these divisions. Uh, there are certainly a few races that could be fun down the stretch, but you're right. The, uh, the cream has risen to the top and I don't think they're going to fall back here in the second half of the season. We got the home run derby and the all star game Monday and Tuesday. Are you guys taking bets on the uh, home run derby and the uh, home run derby? I, I know you are for the all star game, but are you taking derby
3: bets? Yeah, definitely. Chris will put that up. We'll have that up right and early tomorrow morning, if not later uh, this evening. I would imagine the Polar Bear is going to be the favorite. Very tough. Pete Alonzo, he's a monster. I think Schwab is going to take a little action just because he's been hitting at such a phenomenal level. Not that he's uh, you know a shoe-in to win this uh, contest, but definitely he's one of the major players. Corey Seager, he used to play in Dodger Stadium, so he knows that atmosphere. He might be able to hit a few, but let's uh, take into consideration the Dodger Stadium is a very, very tough place to hit. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see Soto. Everybody knows we'll see how he overcomes, uh, you know, his adversity with his team right now. But these are the major contenders. And it's always fun to see a home run derby and even have the legend, Albert Pujols, there. And, you know, at about 30 to 1, why not take a flyer on this guy? He's got a chance. I, I, I'm not sure if his wind will beat there, Scott. But, you know, uh, when I'm looking at it, if you're professionally handicapping, Alonzo has got to be real tough. He's two time champ and he loves this competition. So from that aspect, I would probably take the low odds, but I would definitely look at some long shots. Like I said, Seeger and uh, maybe even Albert.
2: Yeah, I took Seeger at nine to one. Uh, I, I like his swing. He's a line drive hitter more so than like a high pop up guy, which I think can help him in an event like this because uh, I, I think his misses, you know, he won't have to wait for the ball to land before he gets his next swing off and I think the ball could be leaving the ballpark in a hurry on these line drives as opposed to these uh, you know high fly balls from other guys that you know hit him uh, with an uppercut swing. I think Seeger's got more of a line drive swing
3: definitely and those uh, moonshot guys like I said in Dodger Stadium it's definitely tough to get that launching pad going you have to have a good flight line and definitely a level swing something Soto also has you know he doesn't always hit the moonshots sometimes he could get that low swing going in those line drives so it's going to be important to see how the ball is traveling in the early rounds and the early matchups and uh, you know Schwab is one of those moonshot guys when I get the impression so he might have some difficulty but I think we're going to get a lot of- action on him. I'll be honest with you, Scott. He's definitely been the guy who's been hitting the ball and getting it done over the last uh, month or so and synonymous with home runs. It's going to be a great competition.
2: Yeah, I I can't wait to watch it. Um, I know somebody had tweeted at me, asked if uh, there's a bet out there that you can bet. It's like uh, 16 to 1 or something like that. Will the record be broken of the longest home run at the Derby? Wow. And uh, it's 521 feet. And the answer is no, because the longest home run ever hit at Dodger Stadium was 507 feet, and that was back in the '60s.
3: Willie Stargell hit. I was going to say, I remember that (laughs) shot off the roof, and I remember Mike hit one. uh, Piazza hit one out of the stadium once that uh, went off the left field roof. 420 uh, feet. That's prolific power. Yeah, yeah, but I I remember Stardell's shot. That was impressive. I mean, Willie had just amazing power, Scott. They had some team, that Pirates team. I mean, at times, Stardell, Dave Parker, I remember those teams. They were monstrous. So Willie had a great swing, and definitely it was fit for Dodger Stadium. But uh, it's going to be tough to hit a 520-foot home in Chavez Ravine uh, tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, I don't think that one's happening there. Um, as far as uh, the futures market is concerned, if we see a Juan Soto trade to one of these contenders, you know, we're hearing the Mets and the Yankees are teams that are possibly landing spots, which is absolutely ridiculous. But any team adding Juan Soto is going to change the market,
3: correct? Yeah, definitely, and especially the Mets, Scott. You know, we're sitting at 9-1 to to win the World Series at the Rampart and South Point, so you would see a severe adjustment there if he was to be added to that lineup. You know, we have a good adjustment on the Yankees right now. 3-1, to we've taken some large bets on them to win the World Series naturally early on when they won that win streak. We always protect ourselves with the Dodgers as well, 4-1. to We know what they bring to the table year in, year out. They have such a fabulous lineup. Kershaw's has been amazing. Uh, You know, Gosselin has been unbelievable, and they're getting great pitching and great, you know, spot play from some of these players. Gavin Luck steps up at times and other players. So we know what to expect with the Dodgers. But, you know, if the Yankees or the Mets do happen to land Soto, that would be very, very, uh, you know, impressive, and we would have to watch the futures market. And And like I said, a huge adjustment. An absolute game changer. Dwayne, appreciate the
2: time. Enjoy the festivities this week, my friend. Thanks, Scott. It's a little lull in the action, but I'll enjoy it. <laughs> this is The Look Ahead. This is The Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here. It's the Look Ahead here on VSIN the uh, Sports Betting Network. And we just left off talking to Dwayne Clucci from the Rampart Racing Sportsbook about a possible Juan Soto trade. And let's just talk about this for a minute because wherever Juan Soto goes, if he should end up being traded before the August 2nd deadline, it changes the landscape of Major League Baseball. He's that good. He's that dynamic of a player. He's one of the best young players in Major League Baseball. Now, why is this even a topic of conversation with a guy who's got, what, two years left on his his deal? Well, it's a conversation because he turned down a 15-year, $440 million contract offer that would have been the largest contract in baseball history. Uh, The reason he declined it Could be because technically the average annual salary would be much less than what other people are making. For instance, it sounds great that it is the largest contract in baseball history because it's 15 years, $440 million. But that is less money per year than Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, Mike Trout, Carlos Correa, Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Bauer, Corey Seager, Nolan Arenado, Miguel Cabrera, David Price, Mookie Betts, and Manny Machado. That list courtesy of uh, Evan Roberts from WFAN in New York. Yeah, it's no wonder he turned this down. Now, the other side of this is he already turned down a 13-year, $350 million offer. Turns down 350 mil, turns down 440 mil. The writing's on the wall. This kid does not want to be a Washington National. He's eligible for free agency after the 2024 season. However, the Athletic reported after he turned down this contract that now the Nationals are open to listening to trade possibilities. And it makes sense. You've offered this guy the moon and he has said no. Clearly, he does not want to play for you. So do you keep him around for two years and run the risk of him walking in free agency and you losing him for nothing, do you run the risk of him getting hurt and losing his trade value or him having just a terrible season and losing his trade value? I guess what I'm trying to say is from a Nationals perspective, you trade the guy now when his value's at an all-time high. And you get back just an incredible haul of prospects that will become the future of your organization. And so who has the chance to sign him? There was a report, because keep in mind, any team that trades for him is going to do so with the hopes of Signing him to a contract. You're not mortgaging your future for the next two seasons and then losing Juan Soto for nothing. You're you're trading him to sign him long term. So, the Yankees, let's take the Yankees for example. Aaron Judge is 30 years old. The Yankees have yet to work out a deal with Aaron Judge. You could. Make a trade with the Nationals. Give up some of your prized prospects. You got Anthony Volpe is a very talented shortstop. Jason Dominguez, who hit an absolute bomb home run to center field in the Futures game, is one of the top prospects in all of Major League Baseball in the Yankees organization. He's still very, very young. If you're willing to part ways with Jason Dominguez and Anthony Volpe and, and and who knows what else, the Nationals, I'm sure, would be happy. They got some young studs that they can build around for the future. And from a Yankee perspective, you bring in Juan Soto and you now have the option to either, if you don't want to sign both of them, you got Aaron Judge, who's 30 years old, and the face of your organization right now, or Juan Soto, who's 23 years old. I think I'm definitely more likely to give, and when Soto hits free agency, so he'll be 25, Like I'm more likely to give a 25-year-old a 10-year deal than a 30-year-old a 10-year deal. Now, it's not that they could sign both of them. I mean, it's the Yankees. But are they willing to do that? We know the New York Mets are willing to spend money. They don't care. Their owner, Steve Cohn doesn't care. He'll spend money. He's the real-life Bobby Axelrod from the show Billions. So Steve Cohn he said, I'm going to spend whatever I need to spend in order to bring this team a championship. The problem is there, will the, would the Mets want to give up any prospects that they have they have been unwilling to do so under this new regime. And also, would the Nationals want to trade him within the division so that they have to face him, what, 19 times a year now? For the rest of this guy's career? That <laughs> stinks. That is not a fun thing. Uh, a fun scenario to sell your fan base. So who else has the possibility? I hate to say it. I hate to say it. The Dodgers. They got all the money in the world. They have an all-star lineup. Literally. They got all-stars everywhere. Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman... You know, Muncie, it's just Turner. I mean, come on. The lineup's just stupid. But could the Dodgers trade anybody? And and well would they want to sign him? They're gonna to have to pay Trey Turner a ton of money. Right? Trey Turner's gonna be a free agent. They gotta they gotta pay him. So that's an intriguing team. It's definitely a possibility. It would make the Dodgers the favorite to win the World Series every single year, which, guess what? They are anyway. The Padres sticking in California, moving down to San Diego, that's it, it that's that's a team to watch out for. Padres GM AJ Preller almost signed Juan Soto as um an amateur, didn't get, you know, didn't do it, didn't have the chance to do it. So now he has another chance to sign or, you know, Juan Soto. They would, um, they got young, good players, CJ Abrams, young stud shortstop, Mackenzie Gore, young stud pitcher we're seeing this year. I mean, could you trade both, like, the Nationals? I mean, hey, trade both. uh, You get a starting shortstop right now. You get a starting pitcher to, to lead your rotation. And, you know, this Padres could spend the money and bring in Juan Soto, and now you got Machado, Soto, Tatis, It's a really good one, two, three punch. I'm Scott Sadenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, let's uh, talk a little home run derby odds here. As we're finishing up this Major League Baseball first half of the season, we head into the All-Star break. I've already said I placed my money on Corey Seager. Let's take a look at the field. Let's take a look at the bracket, and let's see who makes the most sense coming up next. This is the look ahead once again with me, Scott Seidenberg. Uh, first half of the Major League Baseball season has come to a close. The all star break is here upon us in Los Angeles. We're here in Las Vegas. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network.